You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Welcome into the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Denver. Uh, he's a Denver Broncos insider, Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, what's going on, big dog Broncos? Want to know after a, a, an absolute domination of the New York Giants in week one, they've got the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up on Sunday uh, in the 11 o'clock time frame. Early game, going to be hot, going to be humid. It's going to be a tough matchup for the Broncos. What's up, dude? Hey, man, I'm super excited. Uh, everything is going good. Getting excited because, uh, you know, the trip next week, getting down to Denver for the yeah. new group that we have coming up. Like, super excited for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was a good game. And the game was not as close as the score, you know, actually indicates. And, man, how frustrating is it that Joe Judge decided to try and just drive the ball downfield, get that garbage time score, and that's when Ronald Darby ended up get, get, getting hurt. That was so frustrating to me. You know, and I don't disagree with you. It's on Joe Judge to not just, you know, sit on the football. He wants to try to go pass some stats and stuff like that. But it's also got to go back a little bit to Vic Fangio on that for keeping him out there. I mean, I understand you want to, you're, you're, you're down to your 53 man roster, but still, what's Ronald Darby doing on the field in, the, in that situation in the first place? I mean, you've got four other quarterbacks you could be playing besides, you know, Kyle Fuller and, um, and Bryce Callahan. Why isn't Pat Sertan out there playing a little bit? It's, it's 27 to 7. You know, so Denver is well in the lead. Darby doesn't need to be playing out there. Neither does Bryce Callahan. Neither does Kyle Fuller. So it just is a little bit. You can't really blame anybody. It's football. Guys get hurt. It is what it is. Kind of like that uh, that Nick Gates injury. We were kind of talking about that in our uh, group chat the other day. That New York Giants uh, offensive guard was was actually their center that they moved to guard last night um, and had a wicked nasty broken leg. And I mean, putting your players out there in bad positions and positions to get hurt and stuff like that is never something you want to see. And I mean, maybe blame Joe Judge a little bit on that as well. But also at the same time, it's football, man. People are going to get hurt. It's a hundred percent injury rate, and that's just one of those freak things. So I don't know. It's it's it goes a little bit both ways. You know, it's on Joe Judge for putting players in position to get hurt. It's also on Vic Fangio for keep for keeping his guys out there to get hurt, too. So. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, injuries are part of it, as you said, but uh, it's still frustrating. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I always get frustrated when the game is very obviously over with and they just go out there and just try to score. It's I understand the whole raw, raw aspect of finishing out strong, but. It's just putting so many players at unnecessary risk. Like, it, it, so it's just so bothersome. But we probably should get to our uh, saying hello to everyone in the chat before we jump into our topic tonight. Yeah, uh, we've actually got some stars coming in here. Butch, Butch dropping some stars on on Facebook. Nothing to say, just showing some love. Zeus, Stu McPeak in the house. What's up, buddy? Dropping some stars again. Just uh, just showing some love. Nothing to say there. DeAndre Weatherspoon in here as well. On to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We are going to be talking about that, breaking that game down for you here in just a little bit. Um, also, we have Jay Kozad in the house. Pretty much... A little slow tonight. We got 49 sets of eyes on us, nine uh, nine reactions over on Facebook. Guys, make sure you guys click that, that like button, uh, share it out, get in front of as many Broncos fans as you possibly can. Station identification here. You guys are watching the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, joined by Eric Trickle. You guys can find me on Twitter by fo- uh, following me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, shout out to Scott Kennedy at Scout Kennedy on, uh, on Twitter for running the ones and twos today behind the glass. Thanks, Scott, for joining us today. Um, also guys, while you're at it, make sure you guys are following at mile high huddle. That's some other account where you guys are going to find breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos, anything regarding the Broncos. That's where your guys are going to find it. Uh, Facebook supporters, make sure you guys go on over to uh, mile high huddle or facebook.com slash mile high huddle. Click that blue, become a supporter button. That's where you're going to get premium content like the trickle zone. You're going to get Broncos book club with Chad Jensen and also Kelderman's corner that actually is Kelderman's corner still going. I'm not sure uh, if they're still ch- doing I think they're changing what time it is from oh wait, okay. Sundays at noon. Yeah, I was gonna say because it was Sundays at noon, but now that we're in the season, I'm not sure. I haven't I haven't seen an update on that, and that's that's partially on my bad. But anyways, guys, uh Chad doesn't have our Facebook stars, but just a quick reminder, guys, uh, the Facebook for the Facebook community, here it is. Uh 
we're trying to get to, to 150,000 more uh, stars. So right now we're at 40, uh, 44% complete on that. Uh, more subs uh, subscriptions here as well as one of our other goals. But uh, for 250,000 stars in the, in the month of September, we are going to be uh, raffling off a Justin Simmons jersey. Exact same thing that we did with the um, – the Von Miller jersey last last month, but we reduced it down to 250,000 stars to try to keep it in the month of September. We're going to do, I think we're doing one of these every single month, but also guys, uh, the top five YouTube super chat superstars are going to be thrown into this raffle as well to get the uh, YouTube community in it as well. We'll take, uh, take a look at the top top 10 star senders this month. So far, Mrs. Moody always doing what she does, raining down as much support as she possibly can. Michael Ronquillo as well on every single show. Zeus, Stu McPeak, raining down from Mount Olympus himself. Randy Jones, got Josh Shadow in there as well. Travis Weber, Gary Leeds Palmer, a good friend of mine, good friend of everybody's shows. Uh, Chris Hernandez, the 25 year, going into 26 years in the Air Force. Uh, thank you, Chris, for your service as always. Claude Riley, Howie freaking Day doing his thing. Howie was one that actually won that Von Miller jersey, so he's getting himself in for another one. He needs a 31 to match that 58. All right. Oh, here's the top five Super Chat superstars. we got Michaela Parker in there. Mark Langley doing his thing as well. Stu's in on both of these in the, in the top five. And then the queen of MHH, Chrissy Ramiti, she's doing her thing as well. Uh, shout out to Seth Harmon, uh, Kiaka Mondragon, who just moved up to the number six spot. Uh, Brian Greenfield, Casey Nickel, Tanner Holsey, and Chris Hernandez rounding out the top ten. Dale Root as well. Dale, um, very kind, uh, very, very – I think that's the right one. Uh, very generous – gift for us the other day uh josh hickey jump in here with a uh with a five dollar super chat best wishes for graham but i believe moody will make glasgow expendable get his contract off the books just in time to extend sutton and noah fan listen up broncos country tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, -I -I is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Um, that's actually a topic for today, guys. Graham Glasgow just was uh, diagnosed on Monday following the Giants game with an irregular heartbeat. He is listed as doubtful. It was reported the other day that he was not going to be able to play. And Vic Fangio actually spoke about that today in his press conference, saying that Natani Moody was going to be getting the start on Sunday at right guard. Now, Eric, to the point of the Super Chat, getting his contract off the books and seeing what Moody can do to make him expendable and whatnot. What, do you, what does this mean for the Broncos offensive line? not having Graham Glasgow on Sunday. I mean, they're losing a guy who was their second best offensive lineman out there on the field for them last year, which that really isn't saying a whole lot. And a guy who he struggled against the Giants, but he managed to have some huge plays, uh, enough wins for the Broncos offense to not completely hold them back. So it, it is a loss for them because he is just a consistent guy. He's not going to sit there and constantly drive defenders downfield, but he's so such a veteran with the way he blocks with his technique mm -hmm. and just so is pretty much reliable. So it's a loss there. And Natani Moody is a very young up and coming piece. I mean, only playing 19 games in college, he's really behind in his development. And we saw a lot of that last year. We saw some of that in the preseason this year as well. There's still one pass rush move that really gets to him. We saw Derek Brown in the Panthers game last year, use it multiple times. The Las Vegas Raiders, they used that, and we saw it again in the preseason be uh, able to get by uh, Moody dur uh, during the game. So hopefully he's worked on that. But the best news is that this is probably the best game for 
to get Moody out there and not have Glasgow because the Jaguars defensive line, while they do have some solid players, it is nowhere near as strong as the Jets defensive line is next week or the Ravens or even the Giants last week. So this is a good game to go out there and just make sure Glasgow is fully healthy. Um, as to the question about getting Glasgow off the books, I mean, if Moody goes out there and plays well, I mean, we at some point we got to start having a conversation about Dalton Reisner. He was terrible last year, and he's slowly becoming a liability at the left guard spot, and he had the worst game of all the offensive linemen against the Giants, and it just was he, – he just isn't made for what the Broncos are doing on offense, especially the running game. So that conversation needs to be had. Not so much Glasgow getting benched, but at some point, maybe it's got to be Reisner. I don't disagree with you on Dalton Reisner. He's been struggling in pass protection. He's been really struggling getting some ground in the running game. He had one really nice play in the, I believe it was against the Seahawks in the preseason that where you and I actually had a discussion about it, where it, it didn't look like he got any push at all, but really it was a really nice rep from him where he shielded off that defender and then, and just kept pushing him towards the sideline. But that's one of few guys. Uh, Reisner has been not necessarily playing very well. Glasgow being the veteran and the, and as Scott put in our, our private chat back behind, it's crazy that he is the second highest salary cap hit on the Broncos roster right now. And that's a guard, you know, like that's, that's an insane amount of money to be playing a guy and now, obviously, with this uh, with this heart issue, um, it, it, it's, it is easy to see, you know, him potentially being moved on from at the end of the season. But it's all going to depend on three players, really. And, and it goes to all three of the young interior offensive linemen the Broncos currently have. Lloyd Cushenberry needs to take a step up at center. That way you can not have a competition with him and Quinn Miners anymore and maybe play Miners at the guard position where it seems like he's going to be more comfortable because this is his first year really playing at the center position to begin with. And then Natani Moody and Graham Glass or, and Dalton Reisner, they've got to figure it out. Between one of the two of those guys, someone's got to find that technique up. Someone's got to be a little bit better in the past sets and everything like that. Like it, This could be a conversation that goes on for a lot longer than just this week guys like it really could be something that goes into next month and we could be talking about the broncos taking a high a high guard prospect in the draft or maybe even going out and finding another free agent if, if at all possible i mean yeah there's obvious there's so many obvious reasons as to why it would be nice for them to move on from glasgow you, you don't want your second highest cap it to be a guard and as scott kennedy put in the private chat is that that much money for a guy who's not an all pro guard is a lot and that is probably one of the biggest reasons why his job isn't secured beyond this year. But at the same point is you can't sit there and just move on from him just because of the cost necessarily without having some idea of what you're going to do to replace him. I mean, maybe Quinn Miners is able to step up and play guard. Maybe Dalton Reiser is able to bounce back. Maybe Lloyd Cushenberry. This is definitely a conversation that will be had after the season. But how these three young, four young interior offensive linemen do for the rest of the season is going to play a huge role into whether Glasgow is kept around or not. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like Josh uh, very astutely points out, by the way, if you get that money off the book, now you have some more room to extend uh, Cortland Sutton, who's going to be in need of a new contract after the season. Noah Fant as well. Uh, he's th They still got the fifth-year option. They could extend that to him, and he can still be uh, on this roster for another year at a cost-controlled level. Um, Cortland Sutton's an interesting one, though, because he, he struggled his rookie year. Everyone wants to say how he's – and don't get me wrong, his second year, that, that, that was amazing. The, what he was able to do with three different quarterbacks throwing the football he had what 1200 yards and like 13 touchdowns or something like that it's ridiculous amount of production for a guy that had one of the worst quarterback situations we've seen at least in a single season in the last decade but he's also coming off of that torn acl from this this last season and it seems like he's a little slow coming off that torn acl he's still got some time it's only one week but at the same time he had one catch last week on um, he had 50 54 i think total snaps and like two different and two total targets like he they're not using him as a priority and now with Jerry Judy out they need him to step up and become that that true number one wide receiver can he do it well two things is the whole money thing like yeah it would obviously help to go and extend fanto i expect them to not worry about that this up upcoming offseason they needed to extend Cortland Sutton have a few other players but it's not like the position the Broncos are in a spot where they have to get that money. They're mm -hmm. in a pretty good spot with their yeah. with their salary cap to not have to make this move to, in order to make these other moves. And then as for Cortland Sutton, I mean, it was very obvious in the game that 
he should be bouncing back eventually, but he is still getting comfortable with his knee after mm -hmm. the injury that he had. Yep. That was very obvious with it. So a slow start was to be expected. We'll see. I don't think that maybe not this week, maybe not the week after, but here in two or three more weeks, I think that we'll see him really start to emerge back at that uh, second year caliber player that we saw out of him. Yeah, and I can't wait for it, man, because he was ascending quickly. When he's healthy, he's a top 10 wide receiver in this league. He's got the big body. He's a better route runner than he was when he was coming out of uh, SMU. And, I mean, he's he's got just incredible flexibility, the, the body control, his ability to work the sideline, his ability to make the tough contested catch. Like, this, this guy's very special. And if he is healthy and he is coming back to that full top 10 level receiver, he's going to get that money. And speaking of getting that money, see what I did there. Uh, Gary leads Palmer, nothing to say, just showing some love here, dropping some stars over on Facebook. Uh, Steve Lazuski as well, just dropping some star, uh, stop, excuse me, dropping some stars. I cannot speak today. It's been an all day thing with me. I've, I've had one of those days where I'm just fumbling over everything I want to say. Um, Scott, I'm not a soccer fan, buddy. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a Chelsea fan. Sorry, buddy. Well, I gotta say is I'm very much a Chelsea fan. Hey, not, not in the not in the there. term of soccer, but uh, my, my wife's name is Chelsea. And I'm a very big fan of her. I think you I, could say. I, I hope you understand. So I commented on that that Facebook picture. I, I hope I haven't seen your reaction to it or your response to it yet. But uh, that was that was pretty funny. She laughed at that. I, I'm fairly certain she laughed pretty hard at, at my comment on that one. So uh, no, shout out to Chelsea. She's awesome. Uh, Benjamin Flores on Facebook. What's up, man? How we doing? Keep up the good work. He says, uh, Greg Smith. Good evening, fellas. How we doing? Uh, Dan Marks. Just like I said earlier, I put it up there while you were speaking on your first part about Graham Glasgow, about having really good insights. Uh, that's why I did this podcast because he carries me in my ridiculous hot takes. So I, I, I mean, someone's got to rein me in just a little bit. Uh, also, guys, make sure you guys are smashing those like buttons. We appreciate all the support. Um, we really do appreciate it because without you guys, we couldn't do what we do best, which is cover the Denver Broncos. Now, guys, get your super chats in, get your stars in, get your questions in here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to do one more quick segment on um, on the Broncos defense here and the the injury to Ronald Darby. Make sure you guys get your questions in so that we can uh, have a great round out of the rest of the show. We'll break down some more Jacksonville Jaguars, guys. But with that, uh, Ronald Darby, uh, Eric, you talked about it just briefly at the very beginning of the show, has a torn hamstring. That was placed on injured reserve the other day. Going to miss at least three weeks, maybe four. Um, it's 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 a very frustrating injury for, especially like you said, because it happened on the very last drive of the game when the game was well in hand. D doesn't matter who you want to blame it on. It's football stuff happens. But what does it mean for the Broncos? Where are we going from here? I mean, Patrick Sertan. I mean, this yes. is why this is why it's such a good thing that the Broncos didn't trade Bryce Callahan. I know that we talked about it multiple times after George Payton came out and said that they're getting calls. Like there, there's there's a lot of reasons why they looked that way, why they took calls, but it's a good thing they didn't. And this is why. I mean, injuries happen, especially in the Broncos secondary, not just going beyond just last year. Bryce Callahan never played a full season. Ronald Darby never played a full season until mm -hmm. last year, if I remember correctly. Yep. So those are two big injury concerns right there. Then Michael Ujimudia got hurt. So it's a very injured secondary and you can go through your corners pretty quickly. So glad they didn't get him. It's going to be a good game. I mean, he got tested last week on one pass where as he admitted and Vic Fangio, he wasn't playing tight enough. He didn't react quick enough. And that was a very teachable moment for him. So would expect him to be a little bit better. And the best way to help take the pressure off your corner, especially your rookie first round pick corner is getting pressure. And this is where Draymond Jones should absolutely kill it. AJ Khan is a far worse guard than Will Hernandez is for the Giants, and Draymond Jones absolutely lived in the Giants' backfield facing off against Will Hernandez. I would expect him to have a huge game again in this Jacksonville game against A.J. Khan, who allowed seven pressures last week, which was the third most. He had the fifth, high, fifth lowest pass blocking efficiency and the second lowest grade from Pro Football Focus. He was not good. I went back, I watched his tape, and Man, this is the this is the offensive defensive offensive matchup for Denver to exploit. Draymond Jones once again, I he he's emerging as a star like rather rapidly. Yeah, well, it's not only that, and that was a really good comment by CC there about Ronald Darby. How it would have been foolish to uh, see him play for the full sixteen, considering he's dealt with multiple hamstring issues in the past. And yeah, they are a nagging injury. It's it's a lot like Eric and I were talking about this about Jerry Judy in our group chat the other day, sprained ankles. 
Sprained ankles are a nagging injury. They take a long time to heal. There's not a lot of blood flow there. You walk around on it. I mean, there's it, it, it deals with your flexi your ankle flexibility. And for a guy like Jerry Judy, this could see him out. I would say seven to ten weeks. I know that the, the like the the optim the optimist timeline is is six to eight, but I'm saying probably seven to ten weeks, depending on how the pain management stuff goes. But back to that hamstring injury, it's the same exact way. It, I mean, you can feel really good, and the next thing you know, you're you're doing a wind sprint, and it grabs up on you, and now you're down another three weeks. And it it's just so hard to rehab that, that kind of a soft tissue injury, especially when uh, with a guy that has elite speed. I mean, long level speed threats, guys that uh, like KJ Hamler, who had that hamstring injury last season, you see it a lot with wide receivers and, and with cornerbacks and even some running backs as well have bad hamstring issues, especially the, the long speed guys, because your body's just not meant to do stuff like that. You're really not supposed to run at full speed as fast as you can for 60 minutes in a, in a football game. You, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a ridiculous amount of stress on that kind of uh, the, on that lower leg tissue. So with with Darby, I, I agree with you. Obviously, it's Pastor Cam time. I'm really very intrigued to see how he's going to look because I, I know we're, we've got Trevor Lawrence. It's a rookie quarterback, and don't get me wrong, guys. I don't think this is necessarily going to be a problem, but – the uh, the Jaguars do have a, a solid trio of pass catchers on the outside. In uh, they've got Lavisca Chenault, the second year player out of the University of Colorado. They have DJ Chark, a fifth year wide receiver out of LSU, and then Marvin Jones, the Wiley veteran, uh, played a long time in Detroit there for a while. He was also a Cincinnati Bengal, and that guy just will randomly have a game where it's like you know, 10 or 12 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Like, so it's not necessarily going to be a a very easy test because they have the weapons that can actually get open and and make some plays, but going against a rookie quarterback with this pass rush, passer tan could actually get his hands on some footballs here. Well, I was going to say we had a comment in the chat from Jay Kozad says perfect couple of games for Sertan playing rookie quarterbacks. And this is exactly true, especially with them being the first and second overall quarterback with how many Bronco fans like you and I called for Denver to go after one of these quarterbacks. How great would it be for him to have huge games in both of these and really show that, hey, yeah, I was the right pick. And this is why. I mean, granted, they didn't have a shot at Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence, but it, you, you get what I'm saying there anyways. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, I mean, these receivers for the Jaguars is one of the things that always concerns me in games that should be easy on paper, especially when they're young and and mostly inexperienced like the Jaguars are, is that you're never quite sure what you're going to get. And this Jaguars team, like they can definitely come out and they can surprise everyone and win this game. And if they do, it'll be off the backs of their weapons on offense and Trevor Lawrence, because that offensive line, I know I focus on AJ Khan, but it's a, it's a pretty bad unit overall. Their center and left guard is not bad, but I mean, their both tackles, they were one of the worst, well, actually the worst duo, I believe, mm-hmm. in the NFL in week one. So yeah, that's a big issue there. But I mean, LaVisca Chanel. Now, what he's probably the receiver that Denver should be the m- most cautious of. And uh, I have an article and a video coming out that will expand more on this, but his play style goes to exactly what the Broncos try to force offenses to do throw short and force them to make a play after the catch instead of ta- attacking deep. That's the mm-hmm. all, but like 12 catches of his last year were nine yards or under. And he just went, made people miss and made something happen. Mm-hmm. So this is the guy that this is probably where Ronald Darby will actually be missed. The most is helping contain uh, the impact of LaVisca Chanel after the catch. Well, and one thing about LaVisca Chanel, and if, you, if you're if you a CU Buffs fan, you know exactly what we're talking about. He's a shorter guy, stocky, runs really fast, got big, meaty thighs. This dude is a running back playing the wide receiver position. He really is. He's a bowling ball, man. He, he bounces off a of contact very well, and he gets loose really easily. And if you get the ball to, to him and get him into some space early in the down – he can really make you pay. The one nice thing, though, and you're absolutely right, uh, they're going to miss Ronald Darby there because he is a really good tackler, but they filled in another really good tackler in Passer Tan. Passer Tan is one of the best tackling cornerback prospects I've seen in the last decade. This dude is spectacular. He's tough. He's physical. He, he drives on the vault very, very well. Um, 
the issues that I had with him were never anything as far as his physicality and his tackling ability. It was just the playing off the ball. He was much a much better press coverage cornerback. And where the where they're going to use Lavisca Chanel, if, if Pat Sertan is going to be on him in the slot primarily, uh, they actually the Jaguars have actually started doing a lot more RPO stuff where they're getting Trevor Lawrence moving the ball around a little bit and they're they're incorporating bubble screens off of it. And to me, that's a big thing because they're using Lavisca Chanel in that way, getting the ball in his hands about two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Essentially essentially on a handoff and letting him just go to work. So that's going to be very fun to me to see Pat Sertan, who is a great tackler and LaVisca Chanel, a guy that really breaks a lot of tackles and does it very well. I want to see how that matchup plays out. Seth Harmon jumping in here with $10 super chat. What running back on the Broncos has the better game, Eric? Javante Williams. Yeah. I think, I think this is the perfect mixture of bad interior defensive line a change on the offensive line. I think that Moody will be more beneficial to the run game than Graham Glasgow is. Well, Graham Glasgow is much better in pass protection. Mm-hmm. I would, I think that, that they'll look at bullying the interior and really trying to help um, Javante Williams kind of pound the ball up the middle a little bit and go get some, uh, some big runs from him and help open up and soften the defense for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. And talk about flipping the script from last week where the, the Giants had a really good interior defensive line with uh, with Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and well, I can't remember the other the third guy that they were playing. They actually had a pretty decent game in there. but And the Broncos really struggled to get the ground game going offensively. This week they have uh, – excuse me, and the edges on for the Giants were not great either. Lorenzo Carter's a decent player, and, I mean, Aziz Ojolari was okay, just not great. But as a rookie, he's making his first start. You can't really blame the guy. But this week the Jaguars have two really good edge rushers in, J- in Josh Allen and Caleb Von Chason, but their interior defensive line is not very good. At, like at all. So the Broncos should be able to open up some of that inside zone running game that uh, that Pat Shermer really likes to use. And to me, that's going to open up a lot of holes for for both running backs. To me, uh, Javante Williams, he had 14 carries last week and they kind of went towards him uh, to him after the 70 yard touchdown run uh, and only gave Melvin Gordon 11 carries. But still, I mean, both of these guys should be able to eat, flip a coin on it. I'll go I'll go Javante Williams just because I think they're going to try to save Melvin Gordon just a little bit. Because if this team rattles off three, four, five wins to start off the season in their first seven games, they, they could be on, uh, well on their way to the playoffs. And keeping Melvin Gordon, who's a damn good running back, top 10 running back probably in this league, um, they, like if they can keep him healthy and keep him fresh, they might be able to make the playoffs, and he could be a very big part of that. The only issue with that is that Melvin Gordon is a better running back the more touches he gets. Yes. So you still want to give him because – Give him those touches because eventually he's going to make a good play. Yep. So it, they got they got to keep this balance, and they were very well balanced with the running back usage last week, and caught me caught me a little bit off guard. I was very adamant and spoke multiple times about how I think it'd be more like 65, 35, 60, 40 in terms of overall percentage, which still can happen by the season's end. But right now it's very much 50 50, and that's a good way to go about it. And uh, but Melvin Gordon, I think that Javante Williams will be better in the running game, but I think that Melvin Gordon will make his impact felt when it comes to catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, the Broken Pirates jumping in here on Twitch. Got to shout out our Twitch supporters. Thank you all. If you guys are on Twitch, go subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Get our Twitch numbers up uh, so we can, you know, maybe get some a bigger following on the Twitch on the Twitch channels and stuff like that. Uh, it, Broken Pirates is going to be at the game on Sunday. First ever Broncos game. Can't wait to watch our boys win. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Eric and I are going to be at the Jets game. Uh, we're going to be doing the Mile High Huddle meet and greet in the in the South parking lot, I believe is where it's at. Do a little bit of tailgating, and we got a great gift. We're going to be able to go to the game as well this year. So uh, that didn't exactly pan out the same. We, we weren't sure we were going to be able to go to the game, but we actually got some tickets rounded up. So uh, we'll be really appreciative for that, by the way. Uh, you know who you are. Um, but, uh, yeah, really excited to be able to go see another Broncos game. Let's see here. Let me, it'll be my first. Oh, it's going to be your first Broncos game. And my second time ever at the stadium too. Wow. There you go. I've been to i I've been to a handful of Broncos game. I was actually just going to grab this from black Knight, Jeremy over there. Uh, do you think a team that needs a quarterback calls the Broncos and try to pry lock away from them? I'm going to take this first, uh, maybe, but the Broncos are going to hang up the phone. I think that I think that if teams haven't called already, they will, and I just don't think that Denver will be interested in it. The the one nice thing, and we, we everyone knows how critical Eric and I have been of Drew Locke. Uh, he did show a lot of improvement in the preseason. I will give him that, but he's he's got to be a top what five backup in the NFL right now. 
Like, quite honestly, as a backup quarterback, you don't you like you're going to go to your backup quarterback eventually. It's like like 70 percent of the time, 70 uh, percent of every NFL season that sees at least one backup quarterback go into the into the uh, to start a game. So you're going to see Drew Locke eventually. Like I, I guarantee you, whether, whether by hook or by crook or by injury, Drew Locke is going to see the field eventually this season. And if you're going to have a, a backup quarterback, why not have at least the best one you can? And Drew Locke is a, a high quality backup who has starter potential. It might take him a little bit longer to get there, but he does have that potential and that ability. So if it's me, anyone calls for for Drew Locke, they, they're going to blow me away on something. I'm not getting rid of him for a fifth, sixth, or seventh round pick. I tell you that. Like you're going to have to give me some assets for that because even though he may not be around next season, the Broncos might go in a different direction. There is still something to work with there. I mean, only 13 quarterbacks last year started all 16 games. Um, and then Te- and Teddy Bridgewater, he's only had one full season in his career. He missed the game last year uh, after he suffered a knee injury and then played on the knee injury, which he said that he shouldn't have. So, I mean, you have a guy who's, for lack of a better way to put it, is an injury-prone quarterback. You want to keep your backup in play. So despite teams calling, I just don't think that Denver will really listen unless like a team gets really you know desperate and like, hey, we're going to be stupid and give you a first-round pick for him. Outside of, the, outside of the extreme circumstance, I don't see Denver trading him. Yeah, it, it would be crazy extenuating circumstances. I'm looking through the uh, comment section. Mark Lindemood's going to be at the game again. You guys should link up. Broken Pirates, Mark Lindemood. Link up and uh, get a picture with each other. Figure out what you got to do to link up, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll help orchestrate that if we need to. Um, any more questions we got here? Uh, Adam Trujillo jumping in here saying trade Chubb. Um, for what? I, I don't understand why you would want to do that other than the fact that he has had uh, multiple knee injuries and maybe not lived up to the fifth round or the fifth overall pick hype. But what do you, what's the end game on this one? I, I, I don't understand. Come back to us on that. Starting Malik Reed, who just got shut down by Andrew Thomas. Like Malik Reed is fine as what he is, but he's, he's a guy who honestly shouldn't be a starter in the NFL. He's best as that number three guy coming in to help give him a break and not have a tremendous drop off from your starters, but he it can be such a liability against the run that you just don't want him out there outside of obvious pass rushing situations, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't agree with trading job and I've been very critical of job, especially last year, but I mean, he did well coming back from injury. It took a little bit while for him to get going, but uh, trading him at this point, like with all the questions that Denver has to Bob Miller's a free agent after this year, Malik reads a free agent after this year, Jonathan Cooper. I, he's a rookie. Like, don't want to count on him taking over a starting spot next year. So, so many questions about it that it's just not the best idea at this moment to trade Chubb. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, I, I, I just don't understand on that one. Uh, this is a good question. Our pal jumping in on YouTube. Any updates on Mike Boone? I have not heard anything personally, so I'm going to flip this one on over to the guy on my left. Eric, what's up? Probably won't hear much about it for another until after the Jets game before the okay. Ravens game. He's on injury reserve. He's got to miss three games at least. So well, I, it'll, be, it'll be a while before. Okay, I didn't realize. Oh yeah, that's right. They did put him on injury reserve to yep. open the season. I forgot about that because I know that they they had him um, they had him down for made, a little while before the season. He made the, he made the roster, which you have to do to go on short term. Yep. yep. And they put him on it along with Michael Ojemudia. Yeah. No, I, I I forgot about that. You're absolutely correct. Um, let's see here. Any more good ones? No, I'm not seeing anything here. Okay, let's uh, let's do some some more Jaguars content here. Same kind of thing we did last week, Eric, for the Giants game. Um, three biggest keys to victory, Eric. What do you think? I mean, confuse Trevor Lawrence, force him to make mistakes, force turnovers. Like that's the biggest thing, and it's very. Probably a really cool stat is Vic Fangio is 18 and nine against rookie quarterbacks, which I'm sure most head coaches do a good job against rookie quarterbacks. I mean, just got to go out there, got to confuse them. Um, I remember when wasn't his rookie year, I believe it was his second year when he was actually a starter. He actually had a couple good showings against Patrick Mahomes. Um, his defense did so. Definitely, that's one of the biggest things. Go out there, confuse the opposing quarterback, get pressure on him, force mistakes, help your def- help your offense out by letting them kind of control the clock and help your defense out by getting them uh, off the field and letting them get some rest. No, absolutely. That's that's a good one there. Uh, holy cow, Seth Harmon jumping in here off the top rope, $50 super chat. 
uh, hit that like button. Thank you, Seth. We really do appreciate that, man. That's that's amazing stuff. Thank you very, very much. Uh, we've got stars up there as well. Stu McPeak uh, sitting up top right now. Butch Butch, Gary Leeds Palmer, Steve Lazuski. Thank you guys for uh, showing some love on Facebook in the stars. We got Dale Hendricks jumping in here as well with a $5 super chat. Uh, see you guys on the 26th. I have nosebleed seats, but VIP parking, LOL. Let's go Broncos. Dale, can't wait to see you there, man. Uh, come on over and join the meet and greet, and we'll uh, shake hands, take pictures, and, and do the whole uh, the the whole lovey-dovey thing or whatever you want. I'm not exactly sure what to call that, but uh, yeah, no, uh, can't wait to meet you, man. Really can't wait to meet you. Thank you for the super chat there as well. Um, Going back to the keys to the, to the win here, obviously, like you said, getting after Trevor Lawrence, the uh, the pass pressure is going to be huge. Uh, Vic Fangio, does, like you said, does a really good job, 18-9 and nine against rookie quarterbacks. But the thing that's really going to help, especially with guys like a Draymond Jones, like a Shelby Harris, this interior pass rush, is the fact that uh, um, – that this coverage scheme is so diverse, so complicated, and rookie quarterbacks really struggle against it because it uh, they, they've never seen rotational coverage like that. Or most oftentimes, they won't see rotational coverage in college football, at least not a lot, as elaborate as what Vic Fangio likes to do. So he's going to hold on to the football a lot longer than usual. So the Broncos are going to be able to get after this bad offensive line and go get some sacks. Uh, last week, the Houston Texans had six sacks against the the Jaguars. So if the, if that roster, that's probably the worst roster in the NFL right now can get six sacks. How many do you think this Broncos team is going to get? Eight, nine? Like, it, this could be bad. It could be bad. Did you just call the Houston Texans the worst roster in the NFL? Yes, I did. Man, yes, I, I did. Don't, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, like, they're not a great roster by any means, but especially on the defensive front, they're pretty solid. Like, their defensive eh, line has okay. got some talent. They've got some pretty solid edges. Like, eh, I eh. mean, they, they were able to put a beating on the Jaguars with it, and I mean, they've yeah, they've seriously they've got some talent on that defensive line. I'll have to look at it. I'll have to look at it. I just know everyone's saying that that's the worst team in the in the league right now, either them or the Detroit Lions. Like, and I actually like a couple of things that Detroit has going on for them right now. But uh, that we'll we'll move on from that. Uh, Wendell Williams jumping in here with a five dollars super. Not gonna lie, I kind of like uh, second strings playing early. So when our firsts are back, uh, Chubb, uh, Jerry Judy. Ronald Darby, uh, Graham Glasgow, the second string will have experience. And that is that is a very valuable thing. And the, the Broncos do have a lot of depth at some very key positions. Eric, what do you think about that? I mean, it's always nice. And it's one thing why I, I, a lot of teams don't do it, but it's why I'm always a proponent of when games are in basically situations where you're going to get a win, like the Broncos late in the game against the Giants after that 70-yard touchdown, like – I'm all for just pulling your starters, trying to keep the help, keep them healthy and going out there and getting your second string guys, a little bit of experience. Um, as you mentioned, I would have loved to see Vic Fangio pull Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller throughout some of these other corners. And just, I mean, at that last drive, I mean, there's no way they're going to be able to come back and win. Just uh, let them get experience. I'm always for that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So go, oh, sorry. Didn't mean to do that. Thanks Scott. Uh, so, Going back to Trevor Lawrence and confusing him and stuff like that, that that's, a, that's a great number one key. Number two, they have to establish a running game. Like, quite honestly, make it make this as easy as it possibly can be for Teddy Bridgewater. Get that play-action passing game going. Teddy completed, what, 77% of his passes last week against a team that really did stifle down the running game and had the greatest game he's ever played. Quite literally, that was a career game for Teddy Bridgewater for the most part. Like, that was – it might be, quite honestly, and I said this before we went live, it might be the best quarterback performance the Broncos have seen since 2014. Like, it was that good. I, the, the one other one that I can think of that's arguable on that one is Drew Locke's, what, second or third start where he absolutely torched the Houston Texans. Like, that – it was a great quarterback game. This, the final stats don't necessarily indicate how well Teddy Bridgewater actually played in that football game. Why not make it easier for him? Why not get that running game going, put up you know, a buck 50 on the ground this time and and really grind that running game, grind this this Jaguars defense, control the clock and walk out of there in a blowout fashion. And that's the easiest way to do it is to start and control the clock and control the control the ground game up front. I mean, it's all great in theory, but you can only do what you're able to do out there on the field. So I'm sure going against the Giants, I'm sure they didn't plan on getting, what, 45 yards out of Javante Williams rushing the ball and right. however many it was with Melvin Gordon outside of the 70-yard touchdown. But it's just what ended up being forced upon them. I doubt they wanted a Teddy Bridgewater to throw the ball as often as they did, but that was what was kind of forced about them. So you, you have to have this level of adaptation from what your plan is. 
And so while it would be nice to see them go out there, run the ball, and I think they'll be a lot better. They definitely have an advantage against the interior defensive line with their interior offensive line. They should do a better job run blocking and opening up lanes for the running backs. And if they don't, then be concerned. But uh, if it doesn't happen, then you got to go just find ways to move the ball. Right, yeah, and that's what the Broncos really did last week. I mean, they they probably, like you said, you know, they probably didn't envision having Melvin Gordon go, what, I think it was 10 carries for 31 yards before he ripped off a 70-yard touchdown run. So that's a that's a big, you know, a, that, that hurts. It, it really does. Javante Williams probably had the better performance all in all, and you can't really say, well, if you take away that that 70-yard touchdown run, it happened, guys. You, you have to incorporate that, but that is a, kind of a key piece of context that you can use, is that Melvin Gordon didn't necessarily run very well. He was at 3.1 yards per carry. He had 101 total yards, by the way. Um, so the Broncos did get right at 150 rushing yards against the Giants, but it took a 70-yard touchdown run to get him there. So it's six to one, half a dozen the other. How are you going to really use that data? To me, I think that this gave like the Broncos should be upwards of five, six, five to six yards per carry against this this defensive front that quite honestly doesn't have the horses that the the uh, the Giants do. Uh, Adam jumping in here again. Uh, Giants, Jags, and Jets will be zero and three in week three. We better be three and zero. Uh, you're absolutely correct on that one. Absolutely correct. Uh, So Scott, jump. go ahead, Eric, sorry. One thing with that is that, I mean, it's all on paper. And as I said earlier is games like this, I mean, it's easy trap games for the Broncos. It's games that we've seen them lose over the years. So they should go out there and they win this game. And if they don't, then something went horribly wrong. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So third key to victory, Eric, go ahead, take it away. Um. Dominating the trenches, I mean, kind of goes into a little bit with the first one for me of confusing Lawrence and getting pressure on him. But for both sides of the ball, dominate the trenches. Show how bad this Jaguars offensive line is outside of center and their left guard. Control the trenches, control the flow, and then have your offensive line out there and go and be the bullies against that defensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely agree with you on that one because, I mean – if Denver is going to get bullied around in the up front, and to me, it goes back to the mentality. Like, honestly, this this team has to have that. We're going to go out there and punch you in the mouth. We're not overlooking you. We know you guys are starting a rookie quarterback. We know you guys have some deficiencies, especially in the trenches. It, like, this could be a, not really a trap game, but, like, it's really easy to kind of overlook a Jaguars team. But, you, you know, like, the chips are kind of against you a little bit here. You're, you have to go across the country again. So week two, you're on the road again on the east uh, in the East Coast. You're playing in Florida where it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. You're in the early time slot, which you've Looks never like really done well. Rain. Oh, really? I did not yeah, see that. Be, okay. Be, the latest weather report has it supposed to be a wet one. Oh, wow. I did not know that. So that makes it even worse there, especially for Teddy Bridgewater trying to throw the football. You're really going to have to lean on that running game. Like that's that's what this that's what this really means. So I, I didn't know that. Thank you for for correcting me on that one. I'm typically used to uh, thinking, you know, Florida in September is hot, humid, and muggy. You know, and that's typically where the Broncos have struggled. They they lost a handful of games to the Miami Dolphins that way, including one. I think it was 2006 where they went down and just got whacked. Like they got smoked in Miami in, in week one. So regardless, never mind that. Um, now I lost my train of thought. Thanks, Eric, for for ruining that. <laughs> uh, well, there's one comment here that I want to grab that kind of goes into my point a little bit about controlling the trenches. BNS comes in saying, it was real nice to get competent right tackle play last week. Even notice it was Massey who sprung Gordon's long run. Happy days. Um, Massey had an up and down game. Um, Aziz Ojolari definitely beat him a few times. Fortunately, Teddy Bridgewater was able to uh, shove him off in the face. But um, that 70-yard touchdown run, I mean... It was a team like Glasgow, Eric Saubert, even Albert Okwebin on bunch of credit for what he did as a blocker on that. And Bobby Massey, those four made huge blocks that if any one of them faltered, there's no 70-yard touchdown run. Noah Fant didn't block anybody, and Melvin Gordon had to make a play. I mean, goes to show you that sometimes, like, you need I – mean, obviously, you need multiple big blocks, and Denver got that there. But he has his hands full. Josh Allen, as a rookie, was really looking to be one of the best up-and-coming young edge rushers in the NFL, got hurt last year, missed some games, and he came back with a vengeance against the Houston Texans. Um, Bobby Massey's got to step up and help Denver control the trenches, obviously. As I was saying, I mean, it's they can't let Josh Allen take over this game off the edge. 
Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you on that one. Caleb on Chase on is going to have have some be pretty tough too as well. He's a bendy, freaky little kid from LSU. Um, I believe he's a rookie last year, so this year will be his second season. Uh, a top ten pick as well, I believe. That like this is that kid has has is, is a really fun, twitchy edge rusher to watch. They, like I said earlier, they have a pair of edge rushers, Josh Allen from the University of Kentucky. Like that's two top ten guys that they that they have. So it's it's going to be kind of a tough matchup. Bobby Massey has his hands full. Garrett Bowles is going to have his hands full. But that's my guy. We all everybody already knows how I feel about Garrett Bowles. So uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And like I was just trying to say earlier, you know, establishing the run and going into an opponent that you are supposed to be. This is a game that the Broncos are supposed to win. Like quite honestly, you they, they don't have any business being on the same field. Well. That's rough because they are professional football players, but still you understand the the idea behind that. The Broncos have to go in and handle their business, and it starts up front. They have to win the battles in the trenches. Uh, Kiaka Mondragon jumping in here, $5 super chat. Uh, excited for this game. One or a few players should ball out. Who you pick on O and on D to stand out in a big way? Much aloha, hashtag Broncos country. Uh, I was actually just getting ready to get into that, the critical matchup to watch. So let's do uh, standout players first for the offense. Eric, go ahead. Send out player for the offense. Yes. Um. Uh, KJ Hamler. Oh, you stole uh, mine. Damn it. Using him to exploit Tyson Campbell, who was not good last year, allowed all five targets his way to be caught. Plays in the slot, which is perfect for KJ Hamler. Um, pretty decent speed, pretty decent athlete. But I mean, he's just so easy to fool with uh, jab steps and jukes and everything. Like, I look for him to have a big game to help help facilitate the passing game. Obviously, you want to be running the ball. If it's going to be wet, it's going to be rainy. If it is, it's going to be a little bit harder for Teddy Bridgewater to throw a little bit deeper downfield. So getting those short passes, like that could be huge for him. So definitely KJ Hamler. You stole mine, damn it. And I was actually going to go to a different aspect and not going after Tyson Campbell because I liked him a lot, but you're absolutely right. Struggled last week. Um, my guy, though, the uh, the safety, I think third-year safety out of Wyoming, Andrew Dewey Wingard, is not the best athlete. He's more of a box safety, does pretty well. He's feisty in coverage, but, man, he struggles with speed. And if you're going to have an opportunity to get K.J. Hamler lined up against Dewey Wingard, you could throw the ball over the top on that one, and maybe they'll make up for that, uh, that 50-yard miss they had. I'm going to go – you know what? I'm going to go with, uh, with Noah Fant. Like the the loss of Jerry Judy here is, is big. Working the middle of the field, and they they made a focus of trying to get Noah Fant involved in the passing game. Um, to me, that's the next guy up in that in that passing offense. I know that Cortland Sutton's there. I know Tim Patrick's there. Tim Patrick could have a huge game as well, by the way. Um, but to me, it's got to be Noah Fant. He has to be that top ten, that top twenty tight end that you have. First round pick. He's got to show up this year, and he looks really good. He's kind of dealing with, I think it's a a, a hip injury or a, a knee injury a knee injury is what it is um but still the, the, he's got a matchup against miles jack uh andrew wingard like i just said was is not necessarily the greatest in coverage as well um damian wilson i'm not scared necessarily there the the broncos should be able to work the middle of the field with the teddy bridgewater and noah fan should be a guy that eats on this one uh let's flip it over to the defensive side of the football um and i'm gonna go away from the guy that i know that you already talked about um i am gonna go with uh with uh um with Vaughn Miller here, though, Vaughn Miller is going to stand out again in a big way. He's got a great mashup against Juwan Taylor, former second round pick 2019 out of Florida. Um, long, not the greatest mover, really struggled last week. Vaughn Miller should get two more sacks this week. Book it. Put that one to take that one to the bank and run with it. I mean, Draymond Jones and Vaughn Miller rushing off the same side, just unfair. And I can't wait to see Vic Fangio and these two once they get start running stunts. Like, man, it could be a. Uh, it could be dangerous for it, but I'm, I'm actually not going to go Draymond Jones here. Oh, uh, I'm going to go with the rookie Patrick Sertan. I think that uh. he part of this. I think he's going to walk away with a couple turnovers. I think at least, at least two interceptions out of this game. No, at, at two interceptions. You said two interceptions. Okay. Wow. I, I was uh, mildly surprised. Let's just put it this way. Uh, at the way that Sertan played last week, he obviously had that big touchdown that he gave up. But for the most part, he actually looked pretty decent in coverage. I was really surprised that they only played him 16 snaps, though. And after that long touchdown to Sterling Shepard, he was benched for the rest of the game. Did not see the field at all. Z literally zero snaps after that uh, that long touchdown. Huh? He played two snaps after that. Oh, I missed it then. Okay. Sorry about that. But still, I mean, two snaps after that and – 
man. To me, he's got to he's got to step up. He's got to show that he's capable of that. And like you said earlier, you know, it, it'd be really nice if he goes out there against these two rookie quarterbacks in uh, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Has a couple of really big games. Gets a couple of interceptions. Doesn't really blow any assignments, kind of like he did against the Giants last week, and proves that this is why we went in this direction. And to me, he almost had not really has to, but uh, it'd be really really nice to be able to see something like that where he does have a couple of really big games filling in for Ronald Darby. So I, I I'll agree with you on that. I was going to go in that direction, but I think Von Miller is just going to eat this. Like he's motivated. He is like directly focused on getting sacks. There was a, a funny comment about him stealing sacks from other guys and Draymond Jones and, and Derek Wolf and everyone being mad at each other for, for stealing each other's sacks. He's like, I, that's all I want to do is just rush the passion on every single down. Um, he looks really good. He looks like the, the, I guess he looks like the 2015 Von Miller. So to me, I think that, I think that he's going to have another big game. I really do. And I think that one of the big reasons why I went Sertan too is that he, he doesn't make the same mistakes multiple times. He, Vic Fangio, they both spoke on it. He played too far off on Sterling Shepard, was supposed to play a little bit tighter to the line and supposed to play a little bit tighter inside. And then he didn't react the quickest when Sterling Shepard made a uh, cut inside. That's something that he's going to learn from. He doesn't make the same mistake multiple times. And I think that there's going to be a kind of a slight pushing on the Jaguar side of the ball to go and target the the rookie corner, which I think is going to open up the open up the opportunities for the interceptions. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Who is this? This is CC jumping in here. I think Sertan matches up well against Chark and Jones. One thing I'm worried about, though, is Kyle Fuller getting beat deep, especially by Jones, who makes some what the F plays uh, once in a while. And I, like I said earlier, Marvin Jones has one of the, like he has that that deep threat ability to take the top off and has those games where it's like 10 catches, 150 yards and two touchdowns. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's going to happen against the Broncos, but it's definitely something to keep your eye on. And Kyle Fuller struggled. He really did against the Giants. Um, gave up a couple of long receptions. Had a couple of pass breakups towards the end of the game that really kind of redeemed him there. Especially one in the, I believe, it was in the in the end zone. If not, I know it was a was it a fourth down play? I can't remember exactly the, the situation. But anyways, like like Kyle Fuller really has to improve because Week One was not good for him. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't terrible by any means. No. He had some bounce back plays. But I want to make a point here that Scott actually put in the private chat about. Uh, the Jaguars and Malik Collins of the Houston Texans. Mm -hmm. He was not a terrible defensive lineman by any means, but he is nowhere near the level of Draymond Jones is. And that who is who AJ Collins struggled so much against. Like definitely Draymond Jones, he should feast on this. I was going to do an article and a video on it, but time just unfortunately isn't in my favor on it. But Draymond Jones, like he was my MVP for free week one. I wouldn't be surprised if he's up there for the MVP again after this one. Like he should go out there and just dominate the Jaguars. Yeah, no, absolutely. I uh, so Brandon Linder is the is the Broncos or the Broncos the the Jaguars starting center, and then what is his name? I have it pulled up here. Andrew Norwell. That's it. Andrew Norwell is the left guard, but their their right guard is uh, let's just say hashtag not good. AJ Can is just no, 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 no. Let's run to the comments here really fast. Uh, CC doesn't necessarily like Josh Allen as a, as a run defender. I could see that. Um, to do so, he's improved. Hard, he he had a good game there against the Houston Texans. And yeah. last year, before he got hurt, he was showing improvements there as well. Yeah, our pal is jumping in here saying Tim Patrick's going to ball out. I heard a pretty interesting discussion on the radio earlier today about how Tim Patrick might turn into the wide receiver one for this Broncos offense with with Jerry Judy not being in the fold. Just because you don't know what you're going to get with Colton Sutton right now. He just doesn't appear to be 100%. Tim Patrick was incredibly reliable last season. Zero drops on 79 total targets at 51 catches, 760-some-odd yards or something, and six touchdowns. So it's we've already seen it, Tim Patrick being the most reliable receiver for um, the Broncos. So I, I could definitely see him balling out. Andrew Baker jumping in here on Facebook. Uh, 235, two fumbles, three interceptions, five sacks. Um, is that uh, defensive statistics for, for the Broncos, I'm guessing? 235 total yards, uh, two fumbles, three interceptions, and five sacks. That would be quite the defensive performance and another great way to follow up that week one performance against the New York Giants. Um, James jumping in the chat. It's been a minute since you've been uh, around. What's going on, James? Our no, buddy that's no. in our, our group chat. 
we got to get James off it. He was spouting some hate against Daniel Fa'alele, the Minnesota right tackle. <laughs> I saw that. No, I'll talk to you about that later, James, man. You and I, we got to have a discussion. <laughs> I was going to say that. I, I saw I saw the, the Daniel Fa'alele talk, and uh, the dude's, what, 6'8", 380 or something like that? And he yeah, he's at, he's really at a really well. 380. Yeah, he really yeah. focused on trimming down his weight and be getting cutting back on the fat a little bit and – yeah, like, like he, this dude, moves, he's looking good. Yeah, he moves really, really well. He's got incredibly smooth feet in his past sets. Like, this kid's a monster. I love me some Daniel Falele. Don't you dare. You. No, I'm just playing. Uh, how about Eric Sauber on offense and Deshaun Williams on defense? There you go. There's a new one. Deshaun Williams, um, backup nose tackle behind Mike Purcell, played very well last season, by the way. What do you think of Deshaun Williams being a shining star on the defense for uh, Sunday's game against the Jaguars? Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of what Deshaun, uh, what Deshaun Williams brings, but I mean, what comes to mind is him just absolutely getting pulverized by, uh, Nick Gates in week one. I mean, he just threw him to the ground. Um, I don't remember how much he played. It wasn't much. He was all right overall, but I just don't think he'll play enough to really have a huge impact. And Eric Sobert, it's kind of the same situation. Like, I, I think he'll get his. But I think that Noah Fant and Albert Oakway Benam are definitely the top two guys at the tight end position to take away targets from. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. BNS jumping in here. Does Bradley Chubb even have a prayer to play? I'll take this one. Uh, Vic Fangio said that he was questionable. He, imp- he improved over practice uh, as far as his participation. Did some tra- team drills today. Um, he, pr- he does have a prayer to play. I don't know how much. Eric, have you heard anything? They'll test it out again, the walkthrough tomorrow and then pregame and see where it's at. Okay. Oh, yes. All righty. Let's see if I can find another one here. Let's see here. Uh, What are the odds of getting two interceptions in your second game? Uh, Mark Lindemoo jumping in here. Good night, guys. Great cast. Got to work in the morning. We will see you in the future. And Mark, thank you for joining us, man. Thank you for dropping some stars as well. Uh, We appreciate you. And have fun at the game on Sunday, man. Like, seriously, I I can't wait to go uh, to the the game on the 26th. So go have some fun and go go cheer loud for your Denver Broncos and Duval. Uh, Speaking of stars, got to give another stars highlight before we get out of here tonight. Uh, Stu McPeak in the lead for today with the thousand stars there butch butch michael ronquillo uh andrew baker gary leeds palmer as well as steve lazuski over on the other side can't necessarily see him there but that's all right i remember who it is uh thank you all for all of your guys' support because like i say every single show if it's not for you guys we couldn't do what we do best which is cover your denver broncos got about five minutes left so let's see if we can find some more well, questions here you you read it before going to that i want to grab it just because i have one comment for dan mark saying what are the odds of getting two ints in your second game never tell me the odds <laughs> bold predictions guys we do our wars reference <laughs> there you go there you go uh james coming back in saying certainly chanel should be fun yes it should um dan mark says if, if if ps2 gets two interceptions eric has to get all of the credit uh let's see here i should get credit for my giant score prediction i was one point off you you should I I was I was not far off I was I was uh, thirty one to thirteen and ended up being twenty seven to thirteen so uh, I'll give you more credit because you were only what you had what twenty twenty seven twelve twenty seven yeah twenty seven okay that's right um, yeah speaking of guys uh, score predictions for the game milehighhuddle.com, the mile high uh, mile high huddle roundtable piece is up it goes up about noon on Fridays if we get all our predictions in on time um, but uh, yeah go check that out. Uh, do we want to do spoilers today? Do we, do we want to do spoilers no, on that? I remember what my score prediction yeah, I, I remember what mine was. I remember what mine was. I'll, I'll do mine like I did last week again, and we'll uh, we'll close out the show with that. Uh, let's see here. Andrew Baker, 235 stars, LOL. Gotcha. Okay, thanks, man. We appreciate that. Uh, Cleats 2K says we're going to skin the Jags. Hey, I, I, I respect that reference. I really do. Uh, let's see here. Mark, good night again. That's pretty much it, guys. So uh, let's see here. How about let's do a, just a quick one really fast. Critical matchup to watch Broncos versus uh, Jaguars on uh, on on Sunday at 11 o'clock. Critical matchup? Most I mean, critical touch, matchup. Touched on it multiple times. I mean, Draymond Jones against AJ Khan. I mean, if he can get up the middle and just live in the backfield like he did against the Giants, who honestly, Will Hernandez is a much better guard, whole different tier of play of caliber of player from AJ Khan. If he can go 
and live in the Jaguars backfield against AJ Khan like he did, like it's going to be a long, long day for the Jaguars offensive line and offense overall. Yeah, I'm going to go back to that that rookie Pat Sertan, and you know what? To hell with it. I'm going to throw out LaVisca Chenault there just because I talked about it earlier, um, the, the tackling. I want to see that tackling there. Uh, I want to see what Pat Sertan does in his first career start and how he maintains his composure. This guy is very poised player. He looks like he belongs immediately as soon as you see him. He's got the length. He's got the strength. He's got the physicality. He's a big dude. Um it, but LaVisca Chenault is no joke, man. Like I said earlier, he's a bowling ball. He likes to bounce around a lot. He's hard to get down. He does a really good job extending plays after the catch and, and creating explosive plays. He's a faster guy than he looks. Um, a little bit bigger than than I thought he was, too. Six one is what I heard from somebody in the chat earlier. I thought he I thought he measured at the combine shorter than that. Like everyone said he was six one, but it was actually like five eleven or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. But uh no, that that's gonna be a fun one. Von Miller against Juwan Taylor is gonna be another good one. But uh the, the another, go ahead and go ahead and finish. I thought you were done. I was going to say the, the the one for the Broncos offensively that I'm intrigued to see is going to be Tim Patrick versus CJ Henderson, second year corner out of Florida. I was not a CJ Henderson fan at all, and uh, Tim Patrick has the body to bully him around. CJ Henderson does play physically; he's a better impressed man than he is off the ball. So I'm intrigued to see how that looks. That will be a fun one for the Broncos offense. Yeah, and I just wanted to touch on this. Scott actually reminded me in the private chat saying. I think you can rush for and terrorize Lawrence and have seven in coverage for Ince. Um, I think it was James Palmer who actually touched on it and basically said, don't look for the Broncos to blitz all that often. I mean, it's not something that they do a whole lot anyways. This is a game where Vic Fangio is going to, I believe firmly that he will stay true to his mantra of win with as few pass rushers as possible to keep everybody in coverage. And this is the offensive line to exploit it. We saw, I don't remember how many, we didn't see very many blitzes against the Giants and I think it's going to hold true again this week. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy jumping back in black Knight on Twitch. Uh, do you see the Broncos fixing their offensive line or edge in next year's draft? Uh, short answer. Yes. Yes. I, I do see the Broncos addressing. They're the just going to take line. another cornerback in the first round because George Payton loves corners. Comes from the care. Vikings. Well, it's true. That's very true. They, and, they had what? And, hey, and I say that with a little bit of humor, but Kyle Fuller and Bryce Callahan are both free agents. Yes, you're absolutely correct on that. After this season, Bryce Callahan is last year of his deal. Uh, Kyle Fuller on a one-year deal. Um, and uh, It really depends on if the team's winning or not. If Vic Fangio and Ed Donatello are brought back around, if, I mean, that coaching staff has to be around here because if, if they are, then both those guys have a really good opportunity to re-sign in Denver and potentially finish out their careers playing under Vic Fangio. Um, and they, they have actually played very well with Vic Fangio in their in their previous uh, seasons in their career. So that could be something to address, but if Vic Fangio has gone, I mean, cornerback jumps up to uh, a tier S need, like quite honestly, because I mean, yeah, you've got Ojemudia. Yeah. You've got Sertan. Uh, you've got uh, a saying Bassey and Kerry Vincent jr. But that's a lot of small guys there, man. Oof, I'm not, I'm not, not okay with that one. Uh, Edge though is, is a big one. And, to me. and remember, it's easier to find a franchise quarterback than to find a franchise corner. Sure it is. Whatever you say. <laughs> Whatever you say, George. All right. Uh, let's see here. See if I can find another one. If not, we're going to close down the show. Um, CC actually has a really good comment here. I wish they would have got Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa in this last year's draft. It was unfortunate. The, the draft wasn't, yeah. Yeah. That, that, I like Spencer Brown a lot. Do we have the best running game in the AFC West, Eric? No. No. I actually, it took me a second to get there. Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake over in Las Vegas. That is a high. Yeah, they're not the quality. best. Either. Are you, who are you going with? The Chargers. Really? Austin Eckler. I would, I would say, I would say Las Vegas, but Josh Jacobs is hurt. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I forgot that he has I, I don't, injury. I'm not as high on Kenyon Drake as outside of a receiver as others are. So. Oh, I'm not saying that, but he's at least a high quality backup, uh, a, a, a very decent backup. He played pretty well for the for the Arizona Cardinals a couple a couple of years ago. So I mean, not to sleep on him, but not to tout him as like this this tier S running back by any stretch of the match. And he's just a solid player. I think that Denver could end up with the best running game in the AFC West. They're just not right now. Just to 
add some context to that. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. And that is where the chat ends, guys. So that is where we are going to end. Thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow me on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, shout out to Scott Kennedy at Scout Kennedy on the Twit machine. Uh, thank you for running the ones and twos and helping us out tonight with all of your fun factoids, by the way. That was that was really that was a breath of fresh air. I'm really glad that you joined us for today. Um, also, guys, while you're at it, make sure you guys are following at DVD underscore pod that's a podcast account where you're going to find out what we are talking about every single week also again guys at mile high huddle that is where you're going to find instant news and analysis on your denver broncos got film breakdowns opinion articles anything broncos related that's where you're going to find it at mile high huddle guys if you're on facebook make sure you guys go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle click that blue become a supporter button because that's where you're going to get the trickle zone which airs every saturday noon mountain time eric what's on the trickle zone this weekend we'll be talking more a little bit about the jaguars and a uh, quick announcement i mean for obvious reasons this will be the last week for until two weeks from tomorrow obviously next saturday i won't be able to do it i'll be sitting in an airport yeah, cannot wait for that, guys. Matters of business. This has to go in there as well. Uh, week three against the New York Jets, Broncos home opener. Mile High Huddle is doing a meet and greet with the entire fan base. Make sure you guys come check us out in the South Parking Lot, the tailgate area to come and have a great time. Go check out the game. We're going to meet everybody. Uh, there it is, September 26th, the big old MHH tent in the West Parking Lot. A tailgate area. Sorry about that. I thought it was the South one. Uh, at, at, Empower, at Empower Field at Mile High. So September 26th. Make sure you guys get there early. The game kicks off, I believe, at 2.05. We're not in the in the, the late window of the uh, the afternoon set. But uh, yeah, come, come check us out there. Thanks, Scott, for that. Um, let's see here. Where was I at? Oh, Guys, if you're financially able to do so and you really like the gear that we rock, make sure you guys head on over to huddleuppod.com. That's the merch tent, guys. You're going to get a Dove Valley Deep Divers hat. There's a T-shirt. There's a hat for every show. Um, there's anything to suit your fancy, guys. A face mask, coffee cup. There's a hoodie there, onesie for your baby if that suits your fancy. Huddleuppod.com. That's where you guys are going to be able to get any of that kind of uh, any of that kind of stuff. If not, if you guys aren't don't want to do Super Chat, don't want to buy merch or anything, you just really like the show, the three easiest things and the three things that everybody should be doing at this point. I mean, we've been doing this for almost two years now. Like Eric and I started live streams in January of 2020. So we've been doing this for a while. Subscribe. Wherever you guys are watching this, specifically on YouTube, that really helps drive the numbers for us. But uh, subscribe. Wherever you guys are watching this to Mile High Huddle, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, does not matter. Subscribe. Like every video you guys see. That helps out a lot. Crazy good way. And if you love it, share it. That's the most organic way you can help grow the show, grow it, get as many Broncos fans on this as possible. Because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, before we get out of here, uh, Eric, any last words, and then I'll do my score prediction. Ah, nothing. Just hope everybody has a good weekend. Go Broncos. Hopefully uh, this time next week, we're talking about how the Broncos are 2-0, and hopefully we'll end up 3-0 in the Jets game that uh, I'll actually get to see live in person for the first time, which I'm sorry. Dude, I can't wait to sit next to you at this game because I want to see how you watch football. I mean, I know you you watch the most football of any person I've ever met in my entire life, but to, to see your breakdown of what's happening live in front of you on what is quite literally an all 22 look essentially from where we're going to be sitting, like this is going to be great. I cannot wait to see how you break this down for me. But uh, no, guys, score prediction, Broncos versus Jaguars. I have it as a blowout. This to me is a game where the Broncos are going to really start and lean on that running game. They're going to they're going to make things incredibly confusing for Trevor Lawrence. Like I said, uh, let's let's call it seven sacks. I'll call it seven sacks. I think that this Broncos team is really going to get after him. Uh, it's not close. This is a game the Broncos will and should dominate from the start to the finish, much like they did against the Giants. Even but except uh, they're going to get it started early. I, I do think that this is the first the first time that the Broncos are going to score an opening drive touchdown. I think it like 19 games or something like that. It's been a long time since the Broncos have scored an opening drive touchdown. So I think the Broncos are going to get it done this week. 24 to 10 Denver blowout on the road. That's where we're at here. But with that guys, we're going to get the hashtag out of here. Shout out to shady penguin for that one. Uh, Thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always go Broncos. We'll see you guys uh, same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.